This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ty West. You are getting spooky with the Boo Crew. See one goddamn fucked up horror picture. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 307. So fantastic to have you here with us. This is the first of a couple of new episodes this week. And hey, if you'd like to watch the video version of our show, you can do that now via Bloody Disgusting TV, like this one you're hearing right now. It's available on Roku, Sling, Vizio Smartcast, and more. Check out the on-screen programming guide for showtimes and schedule. All right, it is one of the most anticipated horror films of the year. It was a smash at South by Southwest just this past weekend. Your chance to see it unless you've managed to catch an advanced screening, which there have been some fun limited ones going on that we've heard about. It's officially March 18th in theaters. It is Ty West's X. You are joined by two of its stars, the incredible Mia Goth and Brittany Snow, who tell you all about their love of the genre, the things that make working with Ty so unique, building strong characters that they just vanish into remarkably, music, mayhem, and so much more. And as reported by Bloody Disgusting, Ty announced a secret prequel to X that has already been shot and is in post-production as we speak. Of course, we didn't get to talk about that because uh, mom's a word we didn't even know. They are very good at keeping secrets. All right, episode 307 gets X-rated. Let's go. Action. Well, this is it. Our own studio backlog. Farmer's daughter, take one. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. Ma'am? Something's wrong. You don't want to leave, do you? Just don't understand why you're doing this. Because it is possible to make a good, dirty movie. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew. 
Boo Autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two powerhouse storytellers. Their individual career trajectories and output have each had tremendous cultural impact and influence and continue to inspire, provoke, and take us on incredibly unforgettable journeys. She began building the worlds of the biggest names in fashion, including Prada, Vogue, and Mew Mew, before being cast in the legendary 106-time award-winning Lars von Trier's Odyssey, Nymphomaniac in 2013. Then came Stephen Fingleton's BAFTA-nominated The Survivalist, Gore Verbinski's A Cure for Wellness, Luca Guadagnino's 24-time award-winning Suspiria, High Life, and the Oscar-nominated Emma, among many others. Her work and choices are bold, unpredictable and thrilling to watch as the hypnotic spell she casts on an audience puts us right there with her into some of the most intense cinematic experiences of all time. This alchemy has earned her an independent spirit award and roles in the most dangerous and thrilling films ever made. Also here with us, an exceptionally versatile performer whose early work includes a truly historic soap opera, Guiding Light, and the Emmy-winning shows American Dreams and Nip Tuck. Her fearlessness and talent has shown her as a master of any type of character she takes on, whether it's her unbelievable comedic sense of timing or her ability to make the screen disappear and crawl into our heads and amazing exercises and tension like Would You Rather and Prom Night. Also a skilled dancer and singer who helped turn the Pitch Perfect franchise into one of the highest grossing musical comedies of all time. She's been honored with tons of awards from the likes of Hollywood Film, MTV, Teen Choice and more and strives for real world change in her charity work including using her voice as co-founder to amplify the message of Love is Louder which has been an incredibly important moment in the mental health awareness movement and we thank her so much for that. Together they have one of the coolest and most terrifying projects ever on the way in theaters March 18th from Ty West and A24. A group of young filmmakers in 1979 set out to make an adult film in the middle of nowhere, Texas and get caught in the act by their reclusive elderly hosts. It is called X. We are deeply honored to welcome two of its stars, Mia Goth and Brittany Snow. Yeah. yeah. I want you to announce me and everyone that I know for the record all time. I don't think anybody can announce better than that. I mean, wow. Especially you, Mia. I was like, dang, girl, get it. <laughs> you guys are amazing. And again, thank you so much yes. for joining us. Congrats on this movie. It absolutely blew yeah. our minds. Kudos to both of you. So you have both done very impactful films in the horror genre and stories that push boundaries. We'd love to get into your experiences as audience members yourself. What comes to mind as one of your earliest memories of seeing a horror film and being impacted by one? And we could start with Mia. Um, well, actually, I think the f- it's not a horror movie at all, but um, I remember watching Pulp Fiction when I was really young and uh the Mia Wallace scene where she overdoses and then she comes back to life and then she has nosebleed. And, and I remember, I just remember that film really sticking with to me and, and especially that moment in particular. And, and uh, I should not have been watching that movie. I, I mean, I was like, I couldn't have been more than four years old. I don't know how I was watching it. Um, but yeah, that, that probably, probably that and just kind of being in awe of the cinema of it all and, and, and just, not really being frightened by it, but perhaps more intrigued than anything else. Sure. Yeah. Moved by it for sure. Brittany, how about you? I mean, there's one of the first horror films I think that I ever saw was, was the shining, which I think is still one of the scariest movies of all time. But, but I think if I'm going to be completely honest, the film that rocked me the most that I saw late night on, you know, on my 
TV that I had in my room that I should not have been watching on like Cinemax or something was this movie. And you guys probably know it, but probably no one else knows of it. Maybe. Is it the revenge P- Pinocchio's revenge? Oh yeah. yeah. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So as a child, you see Pinocchio and you're like, Oh, this is probably going to be fine. Um, but it's not fine. Pinocchio is out for revenge and he starts killing everybody with a knife and I, I was completely scarred for life and I can never look at Pinocchio the same, but it is a classic, like cult classic, I think. And Mia, over the years, what have become, I don't know, one or two of your favorite horror films and why? Oh, um, I mean, I love recent favorite horror movies. I mean, there's been, uh, there's so many these days. Um, I think Hereditary is incredible. Um, Midsummer, uh, probably yeah. I think Ari Aster is an incredible filmmaker. Yeah, probably that. That's I watched that and I just I thought it was such a great film and the performances were incredible and 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 the storyline and there's definitely been um uh, somewhat of a resurrection of um, horror films lately and I just think we've been you know quite spoiled for choice. Really. We really we really have. It's been an exceptionally incredibly active time. Yeah. How about you, Brittany? Favorite horror films over the past little while? I mean, I I second the sentiment of of. Uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. I mean, I think that clicking sound still haunts my, my dream. <laughs> yeah. um, I think another one that I saw that was a really interesting little find and then it became really big was that the Babadook mm-hmm. um, yeah. out of Australia. Whew, that was not okay. Um, I, I really enjoyed that one. And Suspiria. I mean, I'm going to give credit where credit's due to Mia. I mean, I think that's a, it was a, beautiful movie and i when i met her i was like bowing down to to her in that movie and so yeah oh that's beautifully said now ty west is one of our favorite filmmakers one of the things that makes him so special is that he knows his audience so well and in doing so he knows how to subvert any and all expectations and it creates an incredible amount of tension by doing that and it forces the audience to question everything they are seeing and it weaponizes those emotions so beautifully and then fires it all back towards us in a terrifying explosion. What defines his filmmaking for each of you? What makes his voice so compelling and unique, if you could say it in a few words? Well, I think one of the great things about Ty is that he has such control over his vision. He, you know, he he knows what he's after. He knows how to go about it and he executes it brilliantly uh when i watched x for the first time i i just like you know it just confirmed what i've like always felt that he's just very much he's just a really high level working director the way that he's able to edit the film with 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 the music and the cut and 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 dialogue all coming together at the same time he's just such a master at creating these these worlds that are so easy to get swept up in even uh, being an, an actor in in his movie usually you know it's it's quite daunting watching yourself for the first time on screen and 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 kind of you know you have to kind of get through all of that and maybe on the second or third watching can you appreciate it for for what it actually is but because Ty is so skilled at creating these worlds he just lures you in and I even like I was just like thoroughly entertained from the very beginning and was just able to enjoy it as a as a fan. 
Yes, I second that completely. I think that he is a master at specificity as well in terms of not only within the genre, but when he when he directs and he writes, he directs, he edits. And so he's already got a cadence and a rhythm that he's had in his mind from the very beginning. He knows from writing it to where it's going to be edited to and the music that will be used. And so I think, you know, the there's a there's a lyrical aspect to his his movies too, where it kind of just all flows together. And it's, um, he knows very specifically what he wants out of each scene and how it will all kind of like a song kind of crescendo into something else. Um, and it's just, it's just fun to, to watch somebody who's such a, such a master at, at picking a time frame and, 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 and doing it beautifully and, and creating it at the same time. Mm. Did you guys stick to the script or was any were any scenes improvised? We pretty much stuck to the script. And really we like some it, it depends, but sometimes the film doesn't need it. Sometimes the script is at such a level and everything's being put together in such a way where the words roll out of your tongue pretty naturally and all the scenes kind of hit marks that you can understand and 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 follow through on that sometimes it's you're blessed and enough where you can kind of just um go you know that that actually makes the job easier for an actor way like everything is just so much in order and, and thought through in such a way where you can just show up and and explore what's on the page instead of trying to think of something else yeah, Brittany, uh, in this film, you get to sing a beautiful cover of Fleetwood Mac's Landslide at a calm point right before the movie switches gears a bit. Talk about filming this scene. Yeah, it was um, it was pretty intimidating to to realize that I was going to be having to do justice to Fleetwood Mac and not butcher it, but also trying to make it my own whilst creating a character that isn't a singer. I mean, she she can sing, but she can't be, you know, it can't take you out of the movie. We're like, here's this, you know, amazing singer doing the song. So it was, it was really finding that fine line of making it authentic and, and still true to, to Bobby Lynn. But um, it was a great scene because it is such a beautiful moment where you have these juxtaposed sort of narratives coming at the same time in terms of the, the older characters and and the ones who you know are setting out to believe in their dreams and with all all the knowing that i think the audience um has and the tension it creates that those dreams will not be realized what's what's empowering would you say about the mysterious rollout of x there's been an anticipation about it there's these character posters without names there's the title x the trailer is even vague and, and just begs the audience to question everything they're seeing even from before the movie even starts what do you think is empowering about that experience before we even get to the theater i mean i think that that's what horror does really well in general is that you're going not only for the movie but you're going for the experience and the experience should start before the movie happens the tension is created in anticipation and i think that that is what this movie has done really well and that's what Ty does really well is that sort of sort of slow burn into um, a crescendo. And so I think that the the poster and the and the lead up to it is kind of within itself an anticipation as well. Yeah. And I think the timing of X and when this is coming about and, you know, we've all been through a pretty tumultuous uh, couple of years. And, and uh, I, I think people want an event people want to have to 
party and this film really feels like that it's fun it's a wild ride and you're kind of getting a sense of that now with with the rollout with the rollout of x and um yeah it's just a really fun film and, and you, you it's uh you're seeing that mm-hmm, definitely you could feel it it is very yeah, tangible yeah. the boo crew will be right back horror of dracula Dracula, the most terrifying lover the world has ever known. Who will be his bride tonight? Horror of Dracula. Dracula, dead and yet alive for 600 years. Dracula, the human vampire who lusts for human blood. See Horror of Dracula. The greatest shock story of them all now achieves new heights of motion picture suspense. See Horror of Dracula and watch the fiend who rises each night from his coffin bed to seek the rendezvous that alone can keep him alive. See Horror of Dracula and watch those who came to destroy a monster stay to become his victim. See Horror of Dracula, but don't dare see it alone. The chill of the tomb won't leave your blood for hours. Horror of Dracula, all new and inflaming Technicolor. Characters you you play in acts are completely unlike any either of you have ever played before, which was a blast to see you both take on. So starting with Brittany, tell us just a little bit about your transformation into Bobby Lynn Parker. Um, That that was so it was so fun. I mean, like I was saying, Ty is very specific when he comes up with a character, when he comes up with a script. And so from the moment we talked um, initially, he he really knew what Bobby Lynn should look like and feel like. And and I was so in. And he really also um, relied on me, too, to create the physicality of her and the confidence that she has with her body and how she's using that confidence and that um, sexuality to to get ahead and not necessarily in a gratuitous way. She's using, using it because she's very confident about her abilities and um, playing someone who is kind of a larger than life character, but with grounded intentions is something that I really, I really was excited to, to play with. And um, he made me research a lot of Dolly Parton, which I loved. And I was very um, down for all of that, that research. <laughs> and Mia, what were the most fun things in bringing Maxine to life? Probably tapping into into my own confidence as a woman in terms of how comfortable uh, Maxine is in her own skin and and with the outfits that she wears and 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 how liberated she is and 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 you know yeah she's getting involved in all of this but she's very much in control and very much in the driver's seat and that she this is part of a, a bigger plan and and uh, it's just it's just fun to to get to play such a liberated woman who has such um, high ambitions and, and, and aspirations for herself. And then Mia, so you also play the role of the old woman Pearl, whose property this team of aspiring filmmakers have rented to secretly make this adult movie. So first of all, what was the actual physical process involved in that? Yeah, well, I, um, I met up with a, with a dancer. And um, one of the great things about this prep was that I had, you know, close to four months in New York with this dancer and we would meet up, um, you know, three times a week. And we went through the entire script and, uh, and, and, and kind of mapped out all of Pearl's movements like a dance. And, and we would, 
you know, everything that I was learning about Pearl also simultaneously was helping uh, me understand Maxine to, on a deeper level as well. So everything that I did for each character was was informing the other. And so, and then back to, you know, so by the time I, I left New York, I I, I'd, uh, I had the all of Pearl's movements in, in my pocket, really. And then we took it to set and we used some of it and then perhaps not all of it, but uh, it was... Um, it was like a dance. Yeah. Extreme compliments to you, by the way, because it did not in any way feel like the audience had to suspend belief for a second. It does not come across like someone simply dressed up as an old woman. It is a textured and an eerie performance that we had zero clue that you had any part yeah. of it, actually, until the credits, honestly. <laughs> right. We're like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. That was incredible. <laughs> what, went yeah. into the word, what went into the word developing her voice? And the mannerisms to make Mia completely disappear. I mean, you were gone and this person took over. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just just work, really. I, I mean, it took a I didn't really know who Paul was or who she was going to be until we were on set. And and uh, because, you know, I'd been prepping Paul and, and with, with the with the dump with the choreographer, but I hadn't seen her. So that so when we got to New Zealand and we were finally able to put the prosthetics on and see what that was, that was another element of it. But then also just just the amount of I mean, it was it was really full on. Like we were in the makeup chair for 10 hours a day and then we would shoot for 12 hours. And then, you know, we were on set for close to like like. It was like 23 hours. And so just that alone, that energy too, that all informed Paul. So I was just kind of constantly trying to, you know, you, the more things you put in, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of work. It, it, it was, uh, it just, uh, it took time. Uh, but once we, in, and I only really met her um, once we got to set mm. and then been shooting. What did Ty do on the set to make you both feel comfortable in those more intimate scenes? I, I mean, I think from the very beginning of talking to Ty, it was, it was a prerequisite and, a, and just super imperative to us to, to make it seem like the women were in control of their bodies, their confidence and their sexuality, and that they were leading the charge of, of how that was going to be. And so Ty really, you know, within that, relied on us and made us feel really comfortable because we were in charge of of what was going to be, you know, um, seen. And he was very informative about the shots and, and things like that. But um, yeah, it was a lot of conversations. We had an amazing intimacy coordinator, Tandy Wright, who worked with us as well in terms of making the mechanics of everything comfortable and making it so it was more of a dance and and let and less of just throwing things out and, and not feeling like it was um, detailed. And um, I think that, that's because Ty is a really great person. So he just wanted everyone to feel really comfortable. And I'll add that I really appreciate and I felt it was important that the men in this movie are just as naked as the women in terms of their things being shown and things are happening, you know, and, and so it's not just about a woman being exploited. It's about everyone actually creating a porno movie. And so they would be naked making one. And we talked about the polarity that Ty turns around and uses against us over this story. And we want to get into a little bit of the mechanics of, as you said, mechanics of how it's achieved from both your perspectives. So as typically films are shot out of sequence, the tone during each sequence is so vital in preserving the tension fuse throughout this piece. 
what what are some of the magic tricks behind the ways you achieved emotional continuity across production and the ways Ty helped get you there? Yeah, well, you know, I think that's usually how 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 you shoot film. So that's sort of the challenge with with each production that you're on is 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 staying focused and keyed in on you know where you're coming from, where you're headed. Uh, uh, that's um that's that I find that you know you you kind of have to focus in on that with each project that you're doing. Um, yeah, you know, Britt. Yeah, and I can I can you know speak to I don't know if you remember this, but Mia, you were really good at asking questions of of Ty and all of us and getting us all on the same page of like, okay, we just came from here and this is, you know, where we were just from. And I think that that was helpful because you had to switch back and forth from character to character. So like it's really important for, for you to know where we were and you kind of informed us as well. But, but I think Ty in general is just a really great master of tension and keeping the performances grounded and him knowing the energy of the scene was, um, was I think crucial to, to making it. We had to just trust him. He, he had it all mapped out in his head. And music we've talked about a few times is such an important part of this experience, especially to help you know define the tone of this wonderful era where the story takes place in Chelsea Wolf being a part of the score itself that Tyler Bates did is an incredibly inventive way of incorporating the human voice. And what did you guys think of the actual score of the film itself and how unique it was? Super cinematic. That's what I love about this movie. It's just, it's such a cinematic experience from start to finish. And the music just adds to all of that. Uh, And it's very haunting and it, it very subtly just kind of, you know, carries you along from from scene to scene and 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 just really helps with the mood and the tension immensely and 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 i think it was executed beautifully and Brittany, what role did music play in uh, your journey i mean i was lucky enough that i got to work with tyler bates for a while actually because we were working on landslide and i would go to his studio and we would just like play around and do it all sorts of different ways. And I would send, I would do it one way and send it to Ty and do it another way and send it to Ty and trying to get, you know, sort of the right feeling of what Bobby Lynn should sound like in uh, landslide. But also, I mean, I got to know Tyler a little bit and, and he's just such a, you know, master and genius at, at creating a cinematic um, feeling to a movie. And I was really surprised at the score because I, thought it was haunting yeah there are a lot of fun bloody horrific and physical scenes in the third act <laughs> what was uh, the most challenging scene to shoot start with uh, mia i remember the scene with brit um that we shot in the night uh we were out there by the porch on the lake and we, it was uh probably probably that it was just quite there were a lot of beats that we had to hit and, and then, and then we had, there was just a lot going on, but I, I, I watched it back and, and I thought, you know, actually that's one of my, ended up being one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And it just goes to show that sometimes you're, you're, you're working and, and, and uh, you're so zoomed in that you can't really appreciate all, all the other things that are taking place and, 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 and like really how much Ty has a handle on everything and, and, and how much he has you, you know, uh, and he's got your back. And so when I watched that, I was really, um, really pleasantly surprised. It was like, yeah, one of my favorite scenes. I, I would second that actually. Um, I think that that scene was really challenging. It was my last day of shooting that day. And 
it was a hard scene. It was really late at night and I was getting thrown into this like freezing cold water in the middle of the, of the night basically. And we basically had to, I mean, we didn't want it to be comical yet still, you know, realistic, but yet there is that sort of comical element to the whole thing. It was, it was really tricky, but I think that it was so perfect to look at, to be trying to see Mia in that and not being able to see her. It was just Pearl. And that really kept me in the scene as, as hard as it was. And tell us about the filming location itself, where and how much of this farm property exists in the real world and any challenges that came along with it. It is a real place. I mean, we filmed in, in New Zealand and this um, this little farm town, we were in Waganui kind of, uh, it, was a, it was a really adorable and beautiful town that I think we all kind of learned to love in, in a strange way. I felt very, I don't know, this weird kinship to it where I didn't want to leave. And, um, but yeah, that, that is a real house and farm. And, and, um, it was, it was perfect because it really seemed like the outskirts of, of Texas. And, um, it was a blast to shoot there. And how much backstory for each of these girls were given to you? Was there any freedom to create one of your own? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, the backstory, uh, Ty and I discussed it, especially Pearl. Um, we discussed at length, uh, what her backstory was, but you know, really that's something that, um, at a certain point, the director, your director just kind of lets you take control of and you decide what's, what's going to work for you and, and what depend like it's quite personal, you know, what you decide to make that backstory, because if you relate it to such a way that um, comes back to you, it, it can be used in such a way that makes you just, you know, more in tune with, with the work and, and, and what's on the paper. So it, I, I, of, I often find that the backstory tends to, is quite private actually after the initial conversations and you make sure that you're on the same page and, and all of that. But yeah, definitely that's, um, it's a huge part of it and, and, and um, really necessary. I completely agree. I mean, I think, you know, we spent two weeks in quarantine getting ready to shoot and I, in those two weeks and even before, you know, I had a lot of conversations with Ty about how we wanted to make Bobby Lynn different than the stereotypical sort of bombshell girl who says and does a certain thing. Um, and it was important to me also to keep her living to like kind of have a world of where she wanted to go. And I kind of created a, a whole future for her that I think that she saw herself in. And, um, and yeah, I, I did a lot of, of working with, with trying to figure out what part of Texas and what kind of girl she was, which was really important to me that she wasn't just a stereotypical sort of, you know, dumb blonde. Yeah. As actors, uh, what did you both learn uh, from working with Ty West on this film? A lot. A lot. I've never been so involved in the whole movie making process from start to finish. And that's really been such a gift. It's been such a collaborative process. And, uh, you know, usually you, as an actor, you come in midway, midway through and, and, and you have your job to do and you kind of just focus solely on that. But with, with Ty, he really kind of just took me under his wing and, and, just taught me so much about cameras and lighting and everything that needs to get all arranged and organized uh, before you ever get to set. And then the editing process that happens in post-production. I mean, it's just been such a like masterclass really in, in, in cinema. And and he's just kind of just really just taught me so much. 
Brittany, anything to add to that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something really special and great about Thai that is um, equal parts, you know, confident and also giving and and generous. And um, I mean, he's probably one of the the directors that I that is so confident about what he's doing, and and that confidence create creates a safe space for us to be able to play because he knows exactly what he wants and he's really um, confident in what he sees. And so you as a performer just feel held in a way where you don't really know how this scene is going to work or what's going to happen, but he knows, and he's shown that to you in so many other ways that it gives you a lot of excitement because you know, it's going to be done skillfully. Mm -hmm. Listen, thank you both so much for spending some time with us. It was an absolute pleasure. And congrats on our new favorite movie X. And we cannot wait for everybody to see this. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 307. Special thanks to our guests, Mia Goth and Brittany Snow. At time of release, their new movie X is in theaters everywhere, March 18th. It is phenomenal. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, Sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand. Chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation. Part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.